Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Save big money on everything. Now at Menards. Make quick work of your outdoor cleaning project with Masterforce Outdoor and Landscaping Tools. The 80-volt cordless trimmer is powerful, efficient, and hassle-free. So you spend less time working on your yard and more time enjoying the results. On sale now through May 19th. Check out our wide selection of Masterforce tools and see the rest of our deals on Menards.com. Save big money at This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Today on the James Altucher Show. Man, I, I love your business. Can I buy your business? <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, look, we're flying right now. There's so much activity right now, and I think it's because people are looking to supplement their income. They're worried about their jobs. Maybe they're going to buy their next job. It's a pretty cool space right now. Do you see people buying like individual sites and then making a living out of it? Like what's a great success story? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got, um, that, that's exactly what people do on the platform. And there are many people who have sort of escaped corporate, if you like, and taken this on as a full-time endeavor. Like, so if you were coming to this site as a user, how would you think about this? How would you change your life basically using Flippa? Because I, I just love, I, if I wasn't doing anything right now, I, I'm just telling you, I would basically, like I said earlier, I'd go in by 20 sites maybe that were somewhat related to each other and, and also maybe overlaps with interests of mine. And then I would look to sell probably within a year or two and then repeat. Yeah. And James, that happened, you know, thank you for mentioning that. That happens a lot. So what should I look for on Flippa when I'm looking at this site? Does anything stand out to you? All right, let's get let's get started. Uh, thanks for coming on, Blake. Yeah, thank you, James. Absolute pleasure. Um, been following your stuff for a while, so really nice to be here. Oh, good. And so, so uh, I've been interested in having you on ever since I first encountered your website, and it just triggered so many ideas with me. So the website's flippa.com, F-L-I-P-P-A.com. And I get an email from you guys every day with three website businesses that are for sale. And I usually visit them and check them out. And I'm always amazed that some of these sites are for like, okay, I'll just give you an example. Um, well, I'll look at, I'll look at the example from a letter that I got a couple of days ago. So, uh, here's a company it's a job information. Uh, it's an information gathering site about jobs that operates in 36 countries. It makes $2,000 profit a month, hundred thousand email list subscribers. Uh, I'm going to view the listing right now on your, on your site. You you basically sell these, but the current price for this site is $2,150. How could it make $2,000 profit a month and be the whole site? I could buy the whole site for $2,100, but let me, let me get back to that question in a second. The next site is <laughs> waterwelders.com. It's an authority on all things water welding. I didn't even know such a category existed. And 
It's about 12,000 profit a year. And the asking price is 13,000. So that means that's like buying a bot. If it's consistent revenues and profits, that's like buying a bond with a 95% dividend. Uh, here's another one, unique showerhead store. So it's a website just, uh, just for showerheads. It's $16,000 profit a month. So what's that per year? That's $192,000 profit a year. And it's priced for 250,000, which is only like a little more than one times profit. So it, pay, it ideally pays for if, if the profits are consistent, it pays for itself in a year. And then it's just gravy. It's like a great living and boom. So that's what you do is you, you basically aggregate all these people post their websites when they're for sale, you send them out to all the subscribers for flippa.com. And let me ask you about this to start off. I'll ask you about this unique showerhead store, but actually first, how did you get involved in the company? What's, what's your story? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, story is, um, I've worked in Silicon Valley. I've, I've worked across the globe in, in various um, capacities, be it uh, startups or more established organizations. Um, just prior to running Flipper, I was uh, on the Australian leadership team at Zero, which is cloud accounting software. It's obviously a fast-growth SaaS business with a global footprint, um, founded out of New Zealand uh, with Australia being its, its single biggest market so far. Um, and then I was running um, Australia's fastest growing company um, under five years old, which was a travel business called Luxury Escape. So sort of vast and varied expertise, um, got to know the board over some time and they asked me to, um, and that the board is, is the group of founders, they asked me to come on, on board. I had actually sold my own asset on Flipper about seven years ago, which was a, a marketplace for specialty food. Oh yeah, so tell me about that. So you, you, you created the website? Yeah, so it was a two-sided marketplace, a bit like Flipper, um, but in this particular case, it was for specialty uh, food producers. So they would list, create a little shop front um, on our marketplace and then appeal to their customers to buy direct from them. Probably would have gone well during this time, actually, given grocery sales and um, specialty foods probably skyrocketing. But um, This is a naive question, but what, what's a specialty food? Uh, so, you know, instead of buying from a... Uh, a traditional Safeway or a, a Whole Foods, etc. It's it's a specialty producer, so you know chocolate, cheese, honey, um, tea, coffee, etc. Um, made by an artisan producer or a boutique producer. Okay, and you would like aggregate them from a million different websites somehow, and you you would pick your favorites. Would you write reviews? Yeah, think about it as Etsy uh, for food. So, um, and the closest equivalent these days is probably Good Eggs, which operates out of San Francisco. So you've got a whole bunch of producers which are signing up to the marketplace to access a, a, a new customer base. And, oh, I see. So you wouldn't pick the products. They would kind of sign up to be uh, uh, featured or, or uh, like Etsy, the, uh, different, mar different um, producers would sign up to sell their goods and people would come knowing that you had all the right, special, the best specialty foods out there you were kind of like out of the picture the exchange would happen without you. It was all, uh, you know, if, if I cooked my own, if I made my own specialty honey with CBD in it, I could put, go sign up to your site, upload information about my product. Buyers would come in and I would sell and you would take a small transaction fee. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, back in 2010, um, you know, fewer of these individuals had their own sites, um, had their own ability to, to sell direct, um, struggled with acquiring customers. So we had the customers by nature of, you know, building the aggregation 
around those producers, um, acquiring all a big community of people who wanted to buy that foods, and and they would use our platform to access that group. And and how did you did you write content and blogs? Like how would you how would you build your customers? How how would you build the users for your site that were not the producers? Yeah, so we uh, we absolutely did that. So it was a an interesting experience actually. We we started out as a um, a daily email magazine just covering food, and so um, each day uh, people would receive information about you know food producers and and new places to get great food, etc., etc., etc. So we built an audience on content, um, and that content was being created by uh, five to seven freelancers. Um, who were prolifically creating that content and using, and we were using that to acquire customers. And then from there, we were able to build the marketplace and start to attract the the, the suppliers. So it started with content. How much uh, profit were you making per month when you ended up selling it? So you know, as a as a um, small venture backed startup, we were not profitable. Uh, so we were we were doing. Uh, about a million dollars revenue. Uh, waved the white flag, couldn't quite get the job done, and and then listed listed it for sale um, on on Flipper. Um, ultimately, chose chose not to sell it. Um, Flipper actually, as a platform, is is better for uh, profitable businesses because ultimately, um, individuals are looking to buy uh, income producing assets to either supplement their income or replace it in full. And so, my business wasn't a perfect fit, but obviously, I became familiar with the platform through the experience. And, uh, I, I just love the idea of Flippa because like you said, I like the idea of buying these websites that, you know, essentially pay for themselves in a year or two. It sounds like with many of these sites. And if you can find, if you can find multiple sites that are in similar categories, you might be able to streamline, you know, some backend resources or, or develop some synergies and, and um, cross advertise and enhance profits and, and the, the greater the profits when you aggregate it. So when you're buying like a tiny business, it has a smaller multiple of earnings than when you have, like, when you combine like 20 of these businesses might have a bigger multiple when you go and sell it. So there's a, a variety of business models here that seem like no brainers to me for, for people who kind of raise money to, for the specific purpose of buying a bunch of flip sites, combining them and then flipping them to a larger player. I could buy every site related to sports, for instance, combine them and then sell to ESPN. That, that's exactly right. I mean, we, we've got, um, we've got a whole heap of people who we call, you know, aggregation entrepreneurs, if you like, and, and they're doing exactly that. Um, and they do it for all the reasons you just said. So it's lower risk um, and your returns are particularly, uh, are potentially greater. So, you know, if you let, let's just break it down quickly. Let's say you buy a $15,000 asset on the platform. Um, so you paid $15,000 for the asset. It's probably making money through AdSense revenue or something like that. Um, maybe it's making $500 a month. Okay, so 6000 a year. And, and you, so you, bet you spend two and a half times Correct. Uh, earnings. And so your annual return on that is 40%. And, and you therefore, you know, it's tough to get those returns through other um, asset environments, be it an alternative asset class or be it a, a stock. And 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 Blake, let me let me just point out to the listeners why this is that why that's an attractive thing, particularly if the profit is is steady and if uh, you know management operation is minimal, then it's almost as if you're buying a bond 
but instead of getting the 0.5% interest you would get in U.S. Treasury bills right now, you would get 40%. It's like a 40% paying bond. If it truly acts, if, if, the, if the income is consistent and truly doesn't involve much um, operation by me, then it's as if I'm buying a, a company with a 40% dividend, which is not in the stock market, not in my savings account. And, you know, that's the benefits of buying these types of private companies. Yeah, 100%. So as you just said, it comes down to established traction. So have you been able to analyze any seasonality? Um, have you been able to look at the last 12 months and, and see that, as you said, it's consistent, it's consistently earning exactly um, what it says? And it's and and look, there's no such thing as purely passive, but there is, there is good as passive in the sense that um, if you've got content contributors in the case of a blog and those content contributors have a history of doing what they're doing, You've got some ads. You've got the AdSense plug-in there, so you're earning some revenue ongoing. It, it's a really safe bet. It's a safer bet than most. Yeah. So, uh, like, let's let's again. There's a lot of different business models on top of using Flippa, but let's just say I, the basic business model is I want to buy a site for fairly cheap, and then I'm going to use my own independent resources and and work hard and instead of making $12,000 a year profit, I'm going to turn it into $40,000 a year profit. I could see that as one persuasive business model. So, so for instance, when I was looking at this site, uh, uh, where's the shower one, the unique shower head store. So I'm clicking on that right now. I'm going to the listing. It's, uh, it's actually got a hefty price, but that's okay. It's, it makes almost 200,000 a year. It's, it's, selling for 575,000. Actually, let's find a smaller one. Hold on. Hold on. Gonna I'll go to I'll go to waterwelders.com. Which I never I don't even know what water welding is. So it's 6 years old. It's the number one authority on underwater welding and commercial diving. It's got multiple revenue sources. It makes about 13,000 profit a year and it's for sale for 14,000. So it pays for itself in a year and then it's just boom, it keeps going. But let's say I'm a specialist and have all sorts of connections in the underwater welding space. I know I can drive this up. Uh, I don't know if you could, if you know this one, but maybe you can walk through like how I can buy this and, yeah. and well, and, and let me ask you one question first. Do you see people buying like individual sites and then making a living out of it? Like what's a great success story? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got, um, <laughs> That, that's exactly what people do on the platform, um, and there are there are many people who have sort of escaped corporate, if you like, uh, and and taken this on as a full time endeavour. So there's a, a young lady by the name of just as just as an example, there's a long, young lady by the name of Stacy Caprio. Uh, she's based in Chicago. You can check out her blog at sidehustlenation.com, and uh, she she writes a fantastic article about um, how she purchased her site. So she's purchased. Uh, five or six sites that might be on Flipper. As she says, she now owns her future. Um, so she's she's in control and she generates um, income from each one of those assets. And, it, you know, it's taken her some time to, to recognize what is a good asset and what is not a good asset and how to undertake that buying process. But, you know, as she says, uh, she was trapped and chained in her cubicle uh, working in a corporate and now she's, uh, you know, li living the dream, so to speak. She lives in an apartment overlooking the bean on in, in Lake Michigan and Chicago, and she's she's totally in control 
five or six assets all income producing. And how much do you think she's making per year? Oh, I don't, I don't know, actually, James. I, I could find that out, but yeah, I'm not entirely sure how much uh, Stacey's income is. It's probably about a, well, six of these assets and a nice apartment in Chicago. She's probably making like 100000 a year. Yeah, yeah, it probably is. If she paid like two and a half times overall, she paid 250000 But we'll get to this. My guess is there's financing options or possibilities involved in this. So, so that's interesting. So let's look at this. Uh, website that's underwater welding and commercial diving, multiple revenue sources. It's pretty steady, the page views per month uh, uh, over the past year, which is which is a good sign. And the financials have a couple of spikes, but maybe that's seasonal. So like obviously in the summer, it seems like it spikes up, but my guess is that's ordinary. And I could, I could probably dive down on multiple uh, years. Uh, organic search is key. So 91% of their traffic is just from people probably searching on underwater diving on Google and then seeing this pop up and then clicking on it. So you don't have to wor worry about providing more content to distribution sites. And uh, yeah, what else What else should I be thinking about here? Yeah, so that, you know, what you're looking at there is, is a content site. Um, you can see that it's, as you just said, it's got fantastic organic, um, organic traffic, 91%, which is extraordinary. Uh, that means it's producing good quality content. It means it's um, content that is uh, optimized for keywords. Um, looking at the asset, it looks like their top organic keywords are underwater welder salary, underwater welding pay. Um, how much do underwater welders make? So it's essentially a resource for those people who are interested in underwater welding. Now, that doesn't mean that this particular individual knows a lot about that subject matter. What it does mean is that they've been able to source a whole heap of contributors who do know a lot about that subject matter. Um, now, how are they making money? It looks like they used to be making money through AdSense, which is obviously um, a Google, Google ad tool, and they've switched to Mediavine. Um, they've obviously optimized for Mediavine and, and probably getting greater earnings from Mediavine. So it looks like um, it's, it's 100 plus blog posts. Um, it's very strong SEO. And, and as you said, it's, it's all about underwater welding. Okay, it's waterwelders.com. I'm going to just go to it. I haven't been to the site. Uh... You mentioned how do you buy. So one of the things I should point out actually is that um, in this particular case, it's an auction. So even though that price point looks like it's just over one times, that's actually just the current price. That auction is currently uh, underway. And I suspect it's likely to sell for around two times, two times annual net profit. I see. So there's three days left. Do you, like most auctions, do you see a, a flurry of bidding on the final day? Yeah, absolutely. So there's been 4,440 buyers look at this asset and there's currently 21 active bids. I see. So that's that's kind of... And considering the low multiple on earnings, meaning, you know, it makes X per year and it's, it's only a minor percentage above that X is the current price and the earnings are pretty consistent like a bond, uh, chances are some of these 4,400 4, people watching this are interested in bidding, but they haven't bid yet. They're, they're kind of doing a wait and see. Yeah, that's right. So on content sites, we tend to see about a two times uh, net profit. Small SaaS businesses, obviously, slightly higher than that. And e-commerce businesses, slightly under that. And so I go to the site. The first thing is, it says, grab your free guide to underwater welding certification. And I guess anybody who's been Googling, how do I make money as an underwater welder would probably fill out, 
fill this out and then they get my email. So probably they make money from the email list as well. Uh, and then, uh, so what should I look for on the, on the main, on Flippa when I'm looking at this site, does anything stand out to you? Like, it looks like they're having a slight, they had a slight dip in March in page views, uh, probably because of the, obviously the lockdowns, some sites, yeah. by the way, have done very well during the lockdowns that I've seen on your site, but I could understand why this one, maybe the water welding industry is, uh, you know, not as, not as, um, resistant to lockdowns as other industries. Um, although March it made a decent profit, maybe because I don't know why actually it had a lot of, it did have a lot of traffic in March. Yeah. A bit of a bounce back. Maybe people looking for a new job. Maybe people want to know how much underwater welders make. Maybe they're interested in going into that space, but you know, I'm, um, I'm not entirely sure. I'm, what, what I would look for in a site like this is consistency of traffic performance. Um, first and foremost, because you can always optimize for revenue as long as you've got the eyeballs to do so. And so it looks like they've got a relatively consistent traffic performance um, getting between, you know, uh, looks like 20 to 25,000 page views, verified page views by Google Analytics every single month. As we talked about, it's organic. So I'd look at that. Um, I'd look at the keywords and the, com the competitive nature of those keywords or, or lack thereof. And, and then ultimately, I'd look for uh, some understanding of of how they're actually operating the site today because that gives me some sense of how much time I've got to put into it myself. Right. And so there's lead generation also. So I guess what would that mean in this case for job leads or it'd basically be like a, a, an affiliate program, I, I think. So he's got he's got lead generation for commercial diving schools. So I'm looking at the listing now. So he's probably sending leads out to diving schools and those diving schools then get to recruit those students. And so, or interested parties. And in that particular case, he's probably charging for those leads. I see. Uh, yeah. So this is interesting. So let's say this goes for two times earnings. How would you, well, well, okay. Let me ask you this. Let's say I bid right now, $20,000 and it's accepted. How do, what happens then? Do I wire the 20,000 and they give me the site and that's it? Yeah. Great question. So, uh, you can either, you know, conduct due diligence through the negotiation period itself, or you can conduct it post, um, post acceptance. So once your offer is accepted in this particular case, uh, you can be party to the auction, in which case you can place a bid and that bid would obviously be, have to be higher than the current, uh, the current offer, or you can, um, buy it now, so to speak. So flip is like an eBay, but for buying digital assets. And so the buy it now price is a set price by the seller. In this particular case, the buy it now price is $25,000. Now, if you are successful, what happens is you then go into what we call the sales completion area, and that's where you can access uh, contracts of sale, letter of intent, um, put some more uh, detail around the deal structure, but you can also use an integrated payment service. Now, there's a couple there, but escrow.com is, is a brand name that people are familiar with, so that's fully integrated there. And what you wouldn't do is um, you know, pay the money without getting access to the assets. So you pay the money into escrow. That's obviously therefore secured. You then go into a, a very brief inspection period, make sure that everything is A-OK, -okay, and then you know you, you release that money by way of the, the escrow integration with Flipper. And uh, and there, there's also post. So, so okay, let's say I win the auction and I bid $20,000. Uh, this guy, Matt Smith, who runs this site, he says, great deal. Now I do due diligence. 
Um, can I back out of the deal? Yeah, so you can back out of the deal in the sense that it's it's not binding until there's a contract of sale or you've sent your money on the basis of uh, an agreement uh, by way of the discussion forum on Flipper. So, yeah, you can back out the deal. It's not recommended. Um, so we would encourage people to do their due diligence, at least the vast majority of the due diligence through the negotiation period itself. Uh, but, yes, an offer is not binding. It's only binding at the point at which you've agreed to um, exchange the funds for the assets. And then this one includes post-sale support, and I guess that's contractually figured out. Uh, uh, and then I take over the site. Uh, now, let me ask you a question. Is there uh, financing options? So can I say to Matt Smith, hey, I'll pay 30000 but I'll do it over five years? So you can do that. Um, that would be, in most cases on Flipper, that would be considered seller financing. And so what seller financing is, is where the, the seller, so Matt in this particular case, is the financier. So you are agreeing to pay Matt, let's say, $10,000 up front, and then you're going to pay Matt $10,000 in monthly installments, and there'll be interest bearing on those installments. And that interest is paid to Matt, and that's termed seller financing. Um, you can, of course, go and seek out an SBA loan, small business administration loan um, as well. And we see that happen on the platform regularly. But most commonly, it's either a, an asset sale with full funds paid up front, an asset sale with funds paid over time, or an asset sale subject to seller financing. And how, how many of the deals do you think have some sort of financing, whether seller or loans or whatever? Uh, I would say, so bear in mind, we do micro assets. That means that the average sale price is like $25,000. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I would say it's 25, 30%. It's, it's actually not as high as you might think. Most people are, are paying the full amount up front. Like, so if you were, if you were coming to this site as a user, how would, how would you think about this? Like, how would you, how, how would you change your life basically using Flippa? Cause I, I just love, like if I wasn't doing anything right now, I, I'm just telling you, I would basically, like I said earlier, I'd go in by 20 sites, maybe that were somewhat related to each other. And, and also maybe overlaps with interests of mine so that I have some domain expertise. I would kind of, you know, cross advertise them. I would create content. I would create content on other sites that would point to these sites so that I would have an opportunity to boost both my um, organic traffic and direct traffic. And, you know, I would, by combining sites, I would, you know, optimize the back end of, of all the sites together. I would, because of my domain expertise, I would use that to build profits even further. And then I would look to sell probably within a year or two and then repeat. Yeah. And James, that happened, you know, thank you for mentioning that. That happens a lot. I mean, we've got buyers who are spending a million dollars a year, but not on a single transaction. They're doing that on, you know, literally 25 to 50 transactions or sometimes more. Um, so so what, do I, what would I do? I'd do similar to what you were doing, but let's say I'm a genuine first-time buyer. Um, I've never bought a digital asset before in my life. So one, I'd be looking for a safe bet. So that what does that mean? It means I don't feel, I don't spend more than I feel comfortable spending. And um, that might be five thousand dollars. It might be ten. It might be a hundred. But regardless, um, I don't spend more money than I'm prepared to spend. But I also recognise that um, I don't spend more time on something post acquisition than I'm willing to spend. 
And so what, what do we mean by that? Don't bite off more than you can chew would be, would be the statement I would go for. So the second thing I'd look for is subject matter expertise. So look for something, you know, you and I have just spent some time looking at water welders. Um, you don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. So it's probably not something for me, although the site looks um, uh, strong. Now, I would, I'd be looking for something where you can add value. And so are you outstanding with content? In which case, look for a content site. Are you um, interested in sports and, and betting? Well, look for a sports betting website. Uh, so, so look for um, firstly subject matter expertise and then something that interests you. Now, are you good with imagery? Um, therefore, look for you know, uh, maybe a stock library or something, an image stock library. Um, and then, as I said, interest. So what is it that you can imagine working on? Because as you and I both know, it's, it's very rare that you buy an asset or work on an asset and all of a sudden in six months it's worth a fortune. It's more likely that you're going to have to work on it for 12 to 18 months to, to realize the value and then potentially sell it again or, or realize more value. What, what do you mean by realize the value? You mean get back what I paid for it or? Get back what you paid for it. Yeah. Okay. So, so I'm still, I'm, in, in, in most cases, I'm, I'm assuming earning, you know, if I'm doing, you know, the basic necessary functions that the old owner did, uh, I'm assuming the profit would continue as usual. And, but if I, you know, put a little oomph into it, maybe profits go up. And like you said, maybe it takes one year, 18 months, two years to get back what I paid for it. And then after that, it's just ongoing income forever with hopefully minimal operation. But from me, while I use maybe the cash flow from this to buy other sites and start to build up, build up my repertoire of sites. Yeah, that's exactly right. Let me give you three very quick examples. So there was a site sold on Flipper. It was called Theater Nerds, and it was about Broadway and off Broadway. So it was it was New York based. Um, the individual was selling it because he was doing his MBA at Columbia, um, needed some money. So that was a content site. Um, the buyer of that uh, was a was an off Broadway actor. So passionate buyer, really really liked the asset, really liked the subject matter. Um, it was doing $32,000 net profit or what we call seller discretionary earnings where you, where you take out um, non-carry forward expenses. So that sold for $80,000. So that was 2.5 times net profit. Now that's right. standard, but then let's talk about something where you can optimize or you recognize that you can optimize. Therefore, you might be willing to pay a lot more. So it was a business called Watermark Key. And so what Watermark Key did was it provided... Uh, watermarking software for photographers and they would pay a small fee and with watermarkee which is m-a-r-q-u-e-e watermarkee.com that business had lots of opportunity because they were charging a one-time perpetual license for the watermarking software so buyers went nuts because they recognized that you could turn it into a SaaS pricing model and therefore charge on a monthly basis versus one-time perpetual. And that sold for $43,000. Now, that was three times STE. So the value crept up because all the buyers were thinking opportunity. Oh, my God, I can realize value in this faster than the current owner is already doing themselves. Okay, so so the current o- owner was basically saying, or, or the prior owner was basically saying, hey, upload your photo, we'll watermark it, which means you know, it, you can always tell when you see it out there in the wild that uh, somebody basically used this photo without permission because it's got the watermark on it. And then buyers were coming in and saying, huh, he's doing this this watermarking sale one time. 
we could do a monthly uh, renewal. So I'm just trying to figure it out. Like I'm, I'm the photographer I've got, uh, or I'm who, who's getting charged the, the owner of the image. Yeah. So the, let's say I'm a wedding photographer. Um, I'd go to watermarquee.com. I'd upload my 1000 images of the, of the wedding that I just took photos for on the weekend in the Hamptons. Um, I get all those images back instantly. They're all watermarked. I could send them off to my client now knowing that they're not going to get stolen. Now they would pay, that photographer would pay watermarkey.com X dollars. I think it was something like $10. Um, and he had thousands upon thousands of photographers using this platform. And so when this platform was available for sale as an asset on Flipper, it was obviously for sale on the basis of its current business model. And its current business model being $10 charged to the photographer and let's say 1,000 photographers using it each month. Mm. Now, all of a sudden, buyers think, hang on, I've got a good site. People like it. People use the utility. They pay for that utility. I'm a photographer. I probably take lots of photos, not just of the Hamptons wedding I was at this weekend, but the one I'm going to be at the next weekend and the next weekend and the next weekend. Instead of just charging a one-time license to get access to the technology, let's charge these people ongoing and maybe I've got a better business than the one that was for sale on Flipper after I've acquired it. I see. And so how, how do you think it's worked out for the buyer? So the buyer paid 43000 He paid three times, which means this was, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, 14800 or something like that. 14 times, yep. 14 times net profit. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, what do you think is happening now? Yeah, so I mean, if I jump across to Watermarkey right now, I can see that the site's been redesigned. It looks very different to what it was when it was listed on Flipper. So they've clearly worked on the user experience. Um, that's really fantastic. I can see that they've got a, a freemium now, so I can actually get, I can use the technology for free for a period of time, which is always smart. And then I can see that they've uh, they've actually not gone with a recurring uh, pricing model in this particular case. It looks like they've increased the price, however, from what I believe was $10, it's now 19 So they've essentially uh, doubled what they were charging the photography, photograph, the, the photographers um, or the community that was using the platform beforehand. And they're probably doing pretty well out of it, I would have thought. Yeah. And are they ever in danger of, like one thing I would be thinking of is what if just Adobe Photoshop puts a watermarking feature on and then it's, oh, sites like this are out of business? Yeah, I mean, look, that's always a concern, right? So, I, you know, we would always encourage people to, to undertake due diligence and get some competitive analysis going. Um, I suppose... I guess the best answer I can come up with to that is that's that's a concern for all of us, <laughs> regardless of the business we're in. So I think you've just got to back yourself in and um, recognize that if you're already providing a good service to your customer base at a good price, they're probably going to stick with you. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, 
I always realized, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting and and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e- it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The famous Abraham Lincoln quote says, good things come to those who wait. I wonder, did he really say that? Jay, did he really say that? Can you look that up? Regardless of who said it, that's only part of the quote. The full quote is, good things come to those who wait, but only the things left by those who hustle. Well, if you're a business owner and want the best people on your team, the same applies. And listen, I've interviewed 1,500 people now and a lot of entrepreneurs. I can safely say the one thing consistent among all entrepreneurs and CEOs, the the successful ones, is that it's all about the people you surround yourself. You, if you hire well, you're going to have a great business. And you know, thankfully, ZipRecruiter puts the hustle in your hiring, so you find qualified candidates fast. This is so important, and I, I want you to try it. You could try it as a potential employer or employee. You could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter's smart technology finds top talent for your roles right away. Immediately after you post your job, if you're hiring, ZipRecruiter's matching technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I will tell you that I signed up on ZipRecruiter as a potential employee. You know, I just wanted to see how it works. And right away, it started matching me with really amazing potential employers. So give it a try at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Let ZipRecruiter give you the hiring hustle you need. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash James to try it for free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. I love this other site uh, because my, I have I have five kids and they all had AP exams this this week and there's an uh, an online digital marketing marketing exams niche uh, site. Uh, basically, I guess I can't really tell what they're doing. Something about uh, where they teach people editing, probably. Yeah, so they teach people digital marketing, maybe. Yeah, and they make thirty six hundred profit a month, which is whatever, like 40,000 a year. And it's, and the asking price is 85,000 and that's not an auction, right? That's, uh, I could just make that offer and buy it. That's absolutely correct. So you can sell on, uh, when a seller lists on Flipper, they have the opportunity to sell of one of two ways, either as an auction or as a fixed price listing. Looks like the revenues, uh, or the profit went up 
a little bit from September to January. Do you think that was just, is that like a seasonal thing? Yeah, it's, or, it's I can't, given, I can't say multiple years. Yeah, that's right. It looks like there's a little bit of a bell, there's, there, there is a bell curve going on here. It looks like between September and, uh, September and December is their peak. Um, and it looks like the same for traffic. So it's either that they've um, had some success with content and, and acquiring customers around that time, or there could be some seasonality in a business like this. Maybe that's, a, that's an exam period. Maybe that's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not actually not, not sure, but it would be as a result of um, seasonality is my guess. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. Um, actually, they did pretty good in, in April of this year Maybe people are sitting at home thinking, you know, I'm not going to go back to being an accountant. I'm going to do digital marketing. And so they Google digital marketing and they arrive at this site somehow. So they've got in their, I think this is one of their largest months for page views in the past year. This is their second largest month for page views or third yeah. largest month. And I always love sites that are, do, do well from an organic search standpoint. It looks like the one you're looking at now, if it's the same one, I think it is. 68% of their traffic is organic, which is fantastic. Yeah. And they make most of their money from AdSense. And I bet you when they make money from AdSense, there's always ways to optimize. Like for instance, you could directly find advertisers and sponsors to the site. Um, cause AdSense is pretty, pretty minimal. What, you know, the, the revenues you get, uh, yeah. And I bet you there's a lot of, like, if I type in, if I search for marketing, it's probably a lot of marketing related sites. Yeah. Growing online, marketing.com, modern video, marketing.com, real deal, internet, marketing.com, uh, <laughs> and on and on. So you could, so again, it's like you could do this, you could buy like 30 of these sites and they could all link to each other. So that will increase organic search and, you know, probably customer service can be integrated. Uh, it's, uh, and, and again, I, uh, part of the reason why these things are going for two times earnings is because they're small and the bigger a company is the, the, the higher the multiple of earnings. Like if you're, if you're doing 20 million a year in profits, you're probably going for more like 10 times earnings than two times earnings. So I always tell people there's two ways to, if you want to sell your business, eventually there's two ways to make money. One is to, um, improve the business. So it makes more money just organically. And then you're, you're, if you even sell it for the same multiple of earnings, you will have made money because your earnings have gone up. The other thing is to combine a bunch of sites and improve the profits because of the combination. And then you get a higher multiple of earnings as a result. So then you make, you make more from selling because you're getting a higher multiple, even if you don't improve the profits of any one of the sites. Yeah, that's right. And look, we do, we do see a lot of people who um, are getting benefit from sites by aggregating, aggregating sites. They're essentially leveraging each, each site to, to, to get better value on each, be it traffic sharing, be it mutual, um, be it promotion of each of the sites within the sites, um, be it consolidation of advertisers. So there's, there's lots of ways you can optimize once you own more than one site. And I think Stacey, actually, the, the individual we mentioned before, I think she's having some success doing that. Uh, yeah, you mentioned, uh, you know, with advertisers, advertisers are more interested the more traffic you have. So a small site with, let's say, 100,000 uniques a month advertisers might not be interested. It might be too small, but if you buy 10 sites and you have a million uniques a month, then advertisers might get interested. So you, by buying, by aggregating a bunch of sites, you, you open yourself up to more, uh, advertising opportunities. 
Yeah, there's a guy who um, I won't mention who it is, but there's a gentleman out of Los Angeles who owns an ad tech platform and what he needs now is eyeballs um, for his tech stack. And so he is doing exactly that. He is aggregating, um, as his words, looking for 50 to 100 small sites um, so that he can essentially be his own publisher uh, using his own ad, ad tech stack. And so... Um, you're exactly right. Advertisers are more interested in more eyeballs. Um, it's a better, better ad buy. Tend to get better, uh, better rates. And so there's a, there's a lot of people looking to do that. One of the things which is particularly interesting is um, the what people have been searching in April versus say back in January has changed shape with the the climate we're in. And we see just over 10 million searches a month. And so what's really yeah. cool is you can get a sense of what people are interested in right now. And you'd probably be interested to note that you know things like um, fitness and education as you mentioned before and health are now in the top 10 because they're 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 well performing right now through this time and so people are doing more searches for those types of assets than they were previously which is pretty cool yeah uh, and you have various features like uh you know hot hot you know auctions and trending sites and stuff like that so there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunities for discovery uh here how many how many sales a year do you do how many businesses do you sell per year? Yeah, so um, it's thousands a month, uh, probably probably between 15 and 20,000 asset sales a year, um, obviously varying price types, you know, as small as, as, small as like $500 for a, a starter template site as, and up to $2.5 million. Well, and then you get money, you basically take a transaction fee. Yeah, that's right. We, we're a success fee-based business. So when someone successfully sells, we... we Take a small amount off the off the sale price. How much do you take? Uh, it's variable, but let's say ten percent for the sake of uh, simplicity. So up to a certain amount, it's it's ten percent, and it starts to dip um, after fifty thousand dollars. It starts to dip down. Man, I I love your business. Can I buy your business? <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, look, we're flying right now. There's more buyer interest than ever before. We're signing up a buyer every minute. There's so much activity right now, and I think it's because. People are looking to supplement their income. They're worried about their jobs. Maybe they're going to buy their next job. It's a pretty cool space right now, and um, we're we're here to to help the digital economy grow. And we think that you know the makers and creators of these sites do an amazing job, and so we hope our platform can help. It, 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 some sites though seem expensive. Like if someone just has a regular job, they're not going to pay three million dollars for a site. Yeah. They're going to look more at like these micro sites. One hundred percent. And this is a really important point. And uh, people don't. This is not mergers and acquisitions. This is not M and A activity. This is not private equity. This is absolutely about micro assets. And the standard site we sell is a twenty five thousand dollars site. And that twenty five thousand dollars site will be, um, you know, will will generate strong cash flow returns for the for the acquirer. And and that's more the the top size we're talking about. So so for someone who's kind of like a slow builder, they could basically buy one site a year and do what they can each year to improve all the prior sites they bought. And then in 10 years, they have a nice size business that they could maybe flip again for, and they have higher profits because of their work and also a higher multiple because they've combined all these sites into one business. And so that could be a, a slow but steady way to get ongoing income because these all these sites generate income and then eventually sell the whole package for a higher multiple than they bought the whole package for. Yeah, that's right. And and remember that what we're talking about here is an alternative asset class. It's actually quite immature. Very few people actually know about this space right now. And so if you are buying assets today, there's absolutely no doubt that there's more buyers in the market for those assets, assuming they're good quality 
in you know two to five years, and so you will get a better return. The, the valuations will continue to increase. And and if I'm a buyer, when you said there's a buyer a minute signing up, that makes me a little nervous. Like, is there going to be too much competition for the hot sites now? Like, will the multiple go yeah. up from two times earnings to five times earnings? I don't think we're at that point yet. Uh, but I do have a suspicion that over time, you know, next 18 months to 24 months, valuations will creep up a little bit. Uh, but when I say a buyer a minute, you know, bear in mind that that doesn't mean that all of those buyers are, are actively buying right now. It means that they're browsing and they're interested. And so there is increased competition uh, for assets right now. And so it is a, a seller's market to some extent because there's so many buyers out there. Um, but it, you know, it still, implies that you've got to have a good quality asset and, and buyers aren't silly. Buyers won't won't pay over market value and, and market value right now is for, for all intents and purposes, it's it's two times, two times SDA. So uh, like you mentioned, there are buyers on here who specialize in aggregating lots of sites and then combining them in different ways and, and flipping them. Like, is that is that an industry? Like, are there funds that that's what they do to get returns or what what do those buyers look like? They're they sound they're sophisticated and they know how to operate a business and they know how to sell a business. Yeah, so you get a couple of examples, um, and and some people their sophistication obviously grows with the more they do this. And so if you take an individual by the name of uh, his name's John Chen, he he's based in New York. Um, he bought an asset on Flipper and he paid seven and a half thousand dollars for that asset. He sold that asset on Flipper two and a half years later for five hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And he's now wow. he's now on Flipper as a buyer again, looking to do the exact same thing. He's looking for assets valued at about fifty thousand dollars, with the intention of running them for two and a half years and doing the exact same thing. So we know that buyers are sellers and sellers are buyers, and so yes, there is some expertise on the platform that you know you need to be con- conscious of because there's some people who know what they're doing. Um, and like, what does he? What was he looking for? Like, how did he build up from five thousand to half a million? So he acquired a, a business, and you can check it out. It's called Blush B L U S H Blush and Bar B A R dot com. Uh, and Blush and Bar was is a small online jewelry retailer using Shopify, and that uh, asset was. I think maybe 18 months old when he acquired it and it was clearly a small asset, $7,500, it was income producing and he believed that he could significantly optimize that um, using search engine marketing, um, building out some content and driving some organic traffic acquisition, improving the quality of the product, driving some PR and all of the usual marketing things. Now he's looking to do a similar thing now. So he understands jewelry now, he understands online jewelry market He's looking to buy other e-commerce sites in the same space because that's what he understands and thinks he can leverage. And it seems to me like, why didn't he find other sites to combine with this one and make like kind of a, uh, you know, get up to, you know, through through acquisition, maybe he raises a little money, gets up to 20 million in earnings, and then he goes public with it. And, and instead of being valued at two times earnings, he's valued at 20 times earnings. Yeah, it's a great point, and there are there are to your question before there are what what we call search funds. So search funds are are there to do just that. They will they will back an entrepreneur like a John. They will give him the monies he needs to go and acquire a, a far bigger asset than he might be able to afford himself, and they'll do so for the purposes of obviously realizing the value of that asset, but no doubt 
sticking it together with others and getting a far greater multiple or, or return long term. So that does happen. Um, it's less prolific than you might think. And we, we think that that will continue to evolve as a space. And I think that someone like a John Chan is probably more interested in doing that now. But when it was his first time around, he probably was less aware that that was an opportunity and he's more about optimizing the one asset he's got access to. So how long again did it take him to go from a, a $7,500 acquisition price to a half a million dollars? Uh, it was two and a half years. Wow. Okay. And I mean, maybe you don't know the answer to this, but what did he do to improve the search engine organic, you know, the organic search? So uh, John, John's a, a good old-fashioned hustler. Um, he had some really, really strong success with um, uh, PR. So he was on The View and, and a few other different shows uh, showing the Blush and Bar product. He was able to drive a whole heap of prize giveaways on, on various um, mainstream primetime television shows. And as a result, <laughs> lots of PR, lots of audience um audience building and he had some success that way. The other thing he did was um, he significantly built up his review platform. So now when I look at Blush and Bar, I can see that the, I'm looking at it now, for $90, I can buy this quite good looking ring. It's called the Sasha Sparkle Ring and there's 103 five-star reviews on that ring. And so John invested quite significantly in getting feedback from his existing customer base and using that that content as a means to drive acquisition for for his organisation. So, you know, John's a savvy operator. Um, he but he had to learn. He had to learn all that stuff, and so that's why the seven and a half thousand dollar asset price is probably we all we all celebrate the five fifty, the five hundred fifty thousand dollars. But it's actually it's actually the the seven and a half thousand dollars which is most important. He he bought something that he could afford, and then he learned on that asset. And over time was able to realize the benefit. Yeah. Like, I wonder how he got all the media. Like, I wonder how he got, he, he says here, he's on the Wendy Williams show. He's on the real. Yeah. I wonder how he kind of hooked that up. Yeah. I mean, I, speaking to John, I met, I met John having seen his journey on Flipper and just got in touch when I was in uh, New York city and we sat down for lunch and I think you'll probably find with John and like many of it, many of the rest of us, it's probably just good old fashioned hustle. Yeah. What's another success story like that? Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, there, there are lots, uh, actually. Um, let me give you one more, if I can uh, think through that pretty quickly. There's a, um, okay, so there's a, um, there's a case of, of a business which is uh, an Amazon Kindle publisher and publishes adult books, um, quite interestingly enough, and it's called Wild Hearts Romance. So the great thing about Flipper now is that a lot of these assets are built off the back of the success of all of the platforms that you and I are both very familiar with. So the Shopify's, the Amazons, the Ebay's, the YouTube's, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. WordPress, WooCommerce, Wix, Squarespace, and it's never-ending list. So um, in the case of Wild Hearts Romance, um, they are a Kindle publisher. And so they don't... Um, they don't write the books. They have simply aggregated a network of, of authors who produce these books and they've made them available in the Kindle Publishing Network. Now, um, that asset, I believe they were um, running for about three years and, and that recently sold for $330,000. So um, it's it sold to someone who was keen to get into the Kindle Publishing space. It's obviously a growing space 
and um, you know Kindle Direct, which is where an individual can publish their own books, is is has got a fast growing audience attached to it, and so that's a that was a really exciting success story. So wait, uh, what did they buy the site for originally? Uh, in that particular case, I don't. But sorry, it did not start with an acquisition. In that particular case, they they built it from scratch. So Wild Hearts Romance started from nothing and became something, and then sold on Flipper once it had. And and what do they do? They pay people to write uh, these adult books, and they publish them on Kindle, and they kind of have a formula. They know how much to pay versus how much they usually make from these books. Yeah, so that that's right. I mean, what what they can what they do with Wild Hearts Romance is they've got um, a, a a backlog, right? It's like a collection, and that collection once they've got that collection, it it sits on. Amazon, it sits on Apple, and, and they're just making money and an, an annuity off the um, off the sales of those books. And they've got a network of authors, and those authors are continually publishing. But apparently, the great thing about Wild Hearts Romance is that most of its money is made from the backlog, and it's the backlog which where where the where the asset was able to realize value. I, I'm just trying to figure out like how they created the content. Uh, so, so do you think they hired the authors? They signed up existing authors. Um, who already had books, and then they digitized those books and made them available in a digital environment, being Apple Books or, or Kindle Publishing. I feel like the authors could have done that themselves, but maybe, maybe uh, that's, not. That's a great point, I, and I think the authors could have, but the power in this stuff is the aggregation. So you can have one book, and to market that through Apple or Amazon and stand out is going to be pretty hard, or you can have a collection, a network of 20 authors all under a new publisher's banner, um, getting the benefit of that publisher's marketing reach. I see. So there might have been some advance given to authors, but in general, it's the aggregation where everybody wins. Yeah, look, we, it, it, that, that's at least my understanding of that particular business um, that was sold on Flipper. Um, you can check it out. It's wildheartsromance.com. Yeah. Uh, so, we, you know, we love these success stories because there's, there's so many different um, – digital entrepreneurs, you know, we, we spend a lot of time thinking about the big companies and how they got really big. But in reality, there's a whole bunch of um, entrepreneurs who are making good amounts of money from hyper niche um, and passion-based uh, projects or businesses. And, and, you know, we've heard the term the passion economy and we think it's, really, it's a really exciting space and we celebrate the creators and makers who are building something like that. I mean, if I were... So, so you've got a great business just being the exchange for yeah. these types of sites. Yeah. So people upload sites, there's buyers. Uh, have I mean, it seems like there's a lot of business models you could add to your business model. So for instance, you could be the bank, you could finance people who are buying sites. So if I, if, let's say a site makes, you know, 20,000 a year profit and you've done due diligence on it and you think that's legit and it's, somebody wants to buy it for 40,000, but would like to have some financing, you could probably lend out at like 15 to 20% even. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and be a nice little bank. Yeah. You're thinking what I'm thinking. Um, yes, we, we have very big ambitions for Flipper. Um, at the moment it's, it's a marketplace. It's peer to peer buyers and sellers meet in the middle and they trade and that's not unfamiliar to us all. That happens in many, many environments. Um, you know, travel with Airbnb and, um, all shopping with eBay as an example. Now, um, where it becomes particularly interesting is where we offer the ancillary products that you need to undertake a digital asset sale. 
And that's everything from financing, as you just pointed out, all the way through to you know hosting once you transfer the asset across, um, due diligence and, and anything else. So we, we think it's a, a burgeoning environment. We, we're not, I mean, our biggest focus right now is the matching process because like any marketplace, um, you need marketplace liquidity. And so we've, we've got lots of buyers, we've got lots of sellers, and the art of this is matching them in the middle because people have specific interests. You know, and the other business model I would think of is this is a good idea. Like, like the, like the stock market on average returns seven or 8% per year yeah. and hedge funds are pretty much correlated with the stock market. I could imagine someone saying, Hey, uh, if I could put $2 million to work here a year and I'm making 40% returns for my investors. And so after fees, it's like 30%. This so this is an unbelievable idea to approach to someone. Let's say someone has a family office with $50 million and you say, Hey, give me two, three, four million. I'll put that money to work and I'll make, you know, 20 to 30% returns, or maybe you even guarantee 12% returns and you take the spread after that, no fees, but you just take the spread above 12% returns. Yeah. I think that uh, the idea that there are investors out there who don't want to run these but want to realize the value of this micro asset exchange is hugely compelling. I think we've got a bit of work to do before it becomes real um, and palatable for that community because there's a lot of assets on the platform and you've got to be able to sort of, um, I guess, pull those assets together such that they make sense for um, a family office or other. But yeah, that's a stunning idea, and and I agree with you. I think that there's going to be a, a a different way of investing in the future, and it's less about the next great startup, and it's less about the the the, the stock and the fund, and it's more about um, a pooled pooled ecosystem of assets, all earning far better returns. Frankly, yeah, because uh, and and again, I just keep thinking of more business models around this. You could imagine someone has a business model which is a newsletter that informs, you know, people who are pretty sophisticated buyers in this space, you know, let's say I create this newsletter. I could say, here are the five best deals I think are on Flippa right now. And so I could charge something like 2000 bucks a year to share every month, the five best deals on Flippa right now. And that's probably a decent business model too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love that. I mean, I think that there's going to be a whole bunch of entrepreneurs who build off the back of Flipper because we've got data, we've got the insights, we've got the assets, we've got the buyers. We know a lot about those people and then we can have an ecosystem of build around that. So, I, you know, I, I'm aligned there. <laughs> and then um, how do you compare with like, uh, the only other site I know of is empireflippers.com. How do you compare with a site like that? Yeah, so they do a great job. Um, they're a broker. Um, so everything's hands-on and um, high touch and we're a peer-to-peer -peer marketplace. So we're built to scale and they're not, uh, but they do do a good job of, um, of verifying the assets that come to the table. They'll typically uh, take on assets that they know they can sell, um, whereas Flipper as a marketplace is more democ democratizing this whole ecosystem as a whole. I see. Okay, so they're, 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 they're hands-on, they're brokers. Yeah, they're a business broker and, you know, there's great business brokers. We've got a network of 25 business brokers who operate on our platform. Um, but you kind of can't compete with Flipper for the size of the buyer base and that's ultimately what sellers are looking for. 
It, this reminds me a little bit of uh, Demand Media back in the day. Uh, Demand Media basically bought hundreds of tiny e-commerce sites. And then when they were big enough, they went public because then they suddenly had a hundred million in revenues and they went public. Yep. <laughs> are you, are you familiar with demand? I, I, am I don't even know if it's still public. And, and is it akin a little bit to the open door kind of model too, where, you know, you, you literally, you're owning the asset in your own, you're owning the asset yourself and, um, and potentially realizing value in that versus just being the exchange. Have you considered like when you see a business, like, have you bought any sites off Flippa since you became CEO or do you feel that's a conflict? <laughs> it's a little bit of a conflict, but as long as we disclose that, um, it, it's probably okay. Personally, I have not, but we we have absolutely have staff members, um, and we actively encourage them to browse assets, become familiar with the platform, and ultimately uh, run a little side hustle. And because we think it's a healthy thing for everyone to do, actually. Um, so personally, no, but yes, in general. Yeah. Uh... Boy, and there's so many. It's never ending. Like you could do affiliate deal. You could do affiliate deals with SEO marketing companies. Uh, you know, I buy a I buy a site, and then you call me the next day and say, "Hey, there's three SEO marketing companies that have worked with our sites before. These are the best ones, and you know, let us know if you want to hook up, and we'll work out the deal for you." Yeah, and, you, and then you get an affiliate fee. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, we've seen, uh, we get approaches a lot from, you know, private equity or whoever else who say, look, can we can we get first access to deals and, and how do we get deals before they appear on the marketplace and um, all of that type of stuff. But, you know, as I mentioned, it's, it's a little bit outside our um, wheelhouse right now because we do believe in kind of democratizing the access to digital assets. Um, and we think that as an exchange, um, it, it kind of should be accessible and available to anyone who wants them. Yeah. And then, um, gosh, there was another business idea. I was just thinking on top of this. Um, sorry, I keep throwing ideas. Uh, I, I just get excited by this kind of stuff because on the one hand, it's a side hustle, but it's not like the Uber of dogs. It's this, this is like you put some money to work, but not a lot. Like you say, the average price is 25,000. Mm -hmm. You're making 40% right away. But if you have, again, I, I've said this before, but if you, if you can work it a little bit, you, you pay yourself back within a year, year and a half, or you can get some sort of financing from, you know, friends and family or small business administration or whatever. And then you can kind of build and grow from, from cash flow. Uh, and I'm just trying to think, I was just thinking of another business idea with this that excited me but yeah so the, 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 you know the one thing about buying a digital asset is um it's potentially is is unrealized at the point you buy it so even if it's a four-year-old site um it really just does come down to like anything else do you have a subject matter ex do you have the subject matter expertise to make it better than what it is today and do you have the um the, the guts and glory for one of a better description to invest the time and money to, to, to earn more from it than what you paid for it. And so um, what, what we always think about and we encourage first-time buyers to think about is don't judge a site. You pay, you pay for its performance, but you buy it based on opportunity. And that's a really important thing. So what you're paying for is its historical performance but what you should actually be buying is something you believe has opportunity. And so it's not really good enough, we don't think, just to continue to run it as it is. You should be investing the time and money to make it better than what it is and speed up your return on investment period. Yeah, like 
Here's a great one I just found. Uh, it's a, you know, we're going into election. This is a politics site. Yeah. So a, a blog about liberal progressive views, source politics. It's it's making 4,000 a month. So 48,000 profit a year. Starting price is, it's an auction. So starting price is 40,000. Reserve is 50,000, which I guess is the minimum it will go for. Um, I guess there's a danger that after the election, it could fall apart. But uh, it's like 6 million page views uh, from the US, 90%, uh, no, it's only, it's very little organics. It's mostly social, but I guess that makes yeah. sense for politics yep. sites. And let's see, their source of revenues must be, my guess is AdSense, but you never know. Yeah, AdSense revenues, but some others. Uh, yeah, this is- uh, Yeah, they're an interesting one yeah. because um, once, once you get over a certain size, you, are able to access different ad networks. In this particular case, um, they've now been able to access um, a site called Proper Media, and and Proper Media um, is is great. But there's a traffic hurdle to be able to access their advertisers, and the traffic hurdle is five. I think it's five million page views, and so um, in this particular case, you're buying an asset which has got such a great number of page views that you're actually able to access a revenue source that most other sites aren't able to get access to. So there's some there's some little things that you should be looking out for when you read an asset description. Um, and sometimes the defensibility of the asset is what makes it valuable. So how, how do you define defensibility? Uh, I guess defensibility would be um, un, un, unique audience, um, historical uh, traction. So in this particular case, it's four years old. Now, if you've been producing content for four years, if your traffic's relatively stable, to some extent, you've got a, a bit of a moat in the the backlog of content, the database of content you have access to. And then, as I mentioned, being able to access um, sources of revenue that another site who writes about the same stuff wouldn't be able to get access to because they don't have the size or the history. In this particular case, proper media um, gives you access to a whole different stable and network of advertisers. And so those advertisers are paying a premium to get access to this particular site. And if you go and start up a, um, you know, a, a political website yourself, um, you'll be hustling for three years to get up to any size, which gives you any leverage with any advertiser. In this particular case, it's a little bit defensible because you've got something which already has access. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's very interesting. So you, you see lots of different types of sites. You see SaaS sites, you see content sites like this politics one, you see drop shipping sites, you see, you know, just basic e-commerce sites. Yeah. What kind of business models do you think are working the best? Like is, is drop shipping still a thing? Like it was a few years ago, but do you see that as active now? So, so it's a thing, but it's, it's got a bit of an ugly reputation now. Um, and that's just probably because it's so saturated and there's so many people not doing a good job. Uh, so, you know, if, it, if it's a drop ship business, um, you know, you, you obviously want to ensure the integrity of the product. Uh, you want to ensure the integrity of the supply chain. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fallen out of favor a little bit and it's not as popular. Um, similarly, you know, before, before this, this climate that we're in right now, travel was obviously a hot sector and we found that travel was consistently in the, the top three uh, keyword searches on Flipper. Um, but travel's fallen out of favor. And, but instead, we know that e-commerce, uh, particularly in the health, wellness, fitness space right now, is, is really, really flying. And so um, people are just chomping at the bit to get access to e-commerce sites in the fitness, health, and wellness space. So that's really hot right now. 
I mean, this is all really great. Like I said, not only is it interesting from the point of view of simply buying a site for $20,000 and doing what like that guy, John Chen did with the jewelry site, you know, selling it later for a half a million or more, but there's, I could think of like 10 different business models around the ecosystem of this, mm. that, that really work. It's a micro economy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, we're pretty excited about it. Um, it's obviously been around for a long time, but 10 years ago, there was very little digital asset exchange happening. Um, and, and now that the game has changed a lot and people's maturity around the space is, has evolved. Now I, I thought of the, uh, the idea I was thinking of, you could do syndicates also. So for instance, I could say I'm a successful investor and I'm going to create the James syndicate yeah. and I'm looking at xyzpolitics.com. Uh, I'm going to buy it for 60,000. I'm allocating 40% of that price to investors on just this one deal. So I don't have to go out and do the headache of building a whole fund. I can say just for this deal, you can all participate. Here's my plan. Here's my track record. Uh, I'm going to take a 20% fee on any profits you make, but no upfront fees. And boom, it's like a syndicate, like how it works on AngelList. Yeah, exactly. It's AngelList for micro assets. Um, couldn't agree more. The other one that's very similar to that is, you know, this concept of cosign. Um, you've got $25,000 to spend. I've got $25,000 to spend. We didn't know each other, but Flipper has a global network of buyers. You're very good at um, digital marketing and maybe I'm really good at um, sales. And so we partner up. We, we combine our $25,000 on the platform. Our budget has now doubled. We've now got a $50,000 spend. The quality of the asset at $50,000 is far better than it was at twenty five. And we're now in control of our destiny. We own fifty percent each, and uh, it's it's not quite a syndicate, but it's it's combining two buyers' interests together to buy a better quality asset, and uh, we really like that one as well. And are you seeing any slowdown in buying and selling due to the lockdown, due to the coronavirus? So the average uh, the average order value, if you like, for one of a better description, has decreased slightly. So we've seen that um, there's less. Um, there's less high value deals going through the platform right now. And so that means that buyers are a little more apprehensive than they have been historically. Uh, but the actual deal volume is the same. And the other thing I should say is I think that we've got some nice leading indicators going on. So marketplace engagement right now, which is measured by obviously buyer registrations, but also uh, what we call watch, which is essentially a safe search or a favorite. So our watch volume has, has increased twofold. Um, so we're, we're seeing more people watch listings and that's probably an indication of what's about to happen sort of 30, 45 days out. Do you get worried that if there's a second wave of the coronavirus or, uh, you know, countries start to panic about a second season or there's no vaccine, do you get worried that that could permanently affect the business? Yes, I do. Um, I guess there's, there's two ways, there's two, there's a, a couple of different lens from which we can look at. One is as people find their income challenged, maybe there's never been a better time to acquire a small digital asset which gives you supplementary income. So that's that's piece one. Yeah, and also there might be a defla deflationary, like some of these prices might go down because the owners of the sites that are selling might get worried. Yes, correct. And we do see some people on the platform in their seller's notes, it says, why are you selling? And you can see categorically that they're selling because they need the money now. Um, it's not right. It's not evidence of the quality of the asset. It's evidence of their, their own personal circumstances. So lens number two um, is, is, as you just said, you know, there's, there's concern that 
um, as as there's recessionary pressure on economies around the world, um, funds just dry up and and people are less inclined to to do what we just spoke about. I think that's unlikely. I think that um, we're talking about digital for one thing. Um, it's not like we're a marketplace selling brick and mortar shop fronts. Um, yeah, and I'd be concerned if we were. But we we are selling digital. Right, digital should do well. In yeah. theory, digital should do well. You and I are talking from other sides of the world and we're sitting in our home offices and we could go and shop on Flipper right now and start earning an income. Well, uh, Blake Hutchinson, CEO of, of Flippa, this is, uh, I really think, I'm really excited about sites like this, like uh, like like Flippa in particular. And I, I look at the emails that I get every day. I probably look at a, a site or two a day that's for sale. I haven't bought anything yet, but it just seems like, I just think of myself like, 10, 15, 20 years ago, I would have, I would have done this to make money because there, there are statistics that if you buy an ongoing business, your odds of success are much greater than if you try to start a business from scratch. And I think that's the important thing I should have mentioned up front yeah. is that that's the reason you want to buy something. You don't have to ha build a site. It's already there and it's already making money. And part of your due diligence, you see how much of that money is sort of organically driven and, 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 you know, kind of runs itself and it's just a much better way to think about it's above a side hustle and it's below starting from scratch your own business both of those are very difficult this is like nicely in the middle and there's like i said many different business models in the around it too in the ecosystem of it yeah i mean it's somewhat of an insurance policy right starting something and acquiring your first 1000 customers or eyeballs or readers is really really difficult yeah well, thanks a lot, Blake, for, for coming on the podcast. I think uh, this is very interesting. I highly recommend my listeners check this out, Flippa, F-L-I-P-P-A.com. And you're not public or anything, right? No, we're not public. We're private, um, James. And, uh, you know, we're pretty excited. And, and thanks so much for being on the podcast. We, we listen to your podcast all the time and the Flippa team loves oh, good. it. Your insights are amazing and, and super helpful. So, yeah, thank you. Well, let me know when I can invest in Flippa and... Uh, We'll have you back on. <laughs> All right, James, I'll let you know. I'll send you a note. <laughs> Excellent. All right, thanks, Blake. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.